It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Back to the bullpen today. Got our guy Sam Ekstrom filling in for Reggie today. Sam, of course, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. He's all warmed up, ready to go. Happy Monday, me boy. How you feeling? Feeling good in the neighborhood. Um, I'm, I assume that there will be bullpen help brought in at the deadline because my arm's getting tired, but I, I'm good for now. I'm going to give you all I got. Got the fastball work. Working, slider, a little change up, maybe a little knuckleball mixed in. I'm a four-pitch kind of guy. Sam, you're definitely a team player. We're going to be bringing in some reinforcements, no doubt. Reggie back tomorrow. Today, though, we got plenty to break down because Vikings training camp is officially underway, plus talking some Twins baseball after their weekend sweep. And later, putting Sam on the hot seat with what does it mean, all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. Remember, follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there. And on Twitter, smash that follow button at Lockdown M-I-N. All right, to football we go. 50 days until week one of the NFL season kicks off, and that means training camp is a full go and is officially underway. First and foremost, and maybe most importantly, the Vikings will start camp with not one player on the pup list, and that's huge because two big names have been under the microscope all offseason when it comes to their health, and that would be Irv Smith Jr. and Andrew Booth Jr., Irv coming back from another torn ACL, Booth Jr. coming off hernia surgery this spring. We'll be keeping close tabs on that and their usage and workload as we get into the think of things. But Sam, we broke down the best position battles last week. We made some bold predictions. But how about a spicy take on which veteran could be a surprise cut by the time this thing is all said and done? Every year, there's a name or two that no one saw coming when it gets closer to the 53-man cutdowns. Last year, Everson Griffin was waived. That surprised folks. But then there's always a young guy that you hoped they were still focused on like developing that maybe you hadn't heard much about, like a Drew Samia or a Hercules Mata'afa, both cut last season. Bring the heat. Turn up the spice level to the blazon, and give me a surprise veteran cut that you could see take place with the Vikings and this new regime that we know has no current ties to the majority of this roster built by Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I mean, and, and going back to that Griffin thing too, there's a lot of weird shenanigans that teams can do with rosters these days because they've got those expanded practice squads. They've got veteran spots on those roster or on those practice squads. Sometimes there's contractual benefit to waving a guy and then like handshake agreement will sign you right back. Uh, so that was kind of an odd one last year. This year, I look at the right guard spot and I look at all of the, the veterans they brought in. And if you crunch the numbers, they can't all possibly be on this roster. It mm -hmm. just does not work. You can't keep four tackles, Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland, and then five right guards. It doesn't work that way. Um, so I certainly, almost guaranteed, you're going to have a cut between the following players. Jesse Davis, Chris Reed, Austin Schlotman, Ole Udo. Not all of them can make it. Um, and you've got you know pretty small contracts, pretty small guarantees. I think Jesse Davis, though, could be a cut. 
I just look at his track record in Miami, and I'm a big PFF believer when it comes to offensive line. It's not like the guy's been up and down. He's just been down. Yeah. He's never had a great season, and I know he's started a bunch of games, and that can be a little bit deceiving to the eye when you look at that and you say, hmm, you know, guy started three, four years. He must be decent, but his production has not been. Um, and I can't imagine that Dolphins fans were in love with Jesse Davis either. A lot of fans are informed about this kind of thing. Um, and from what I've seen, they were a little bit relieved to, to get rid of him, to be honest with you. So I think Jesse Davis could be on the hot seat if we see the slightest uh, improvement from Ed Ingram, if we see that Chris Reed can fill in, um, and we know that Oliudo is sitting back there, maybe he's improved a bit. Wyatt Davis is still you know, on that possible improvement track. So I think that a guy like Jesse Davis could be vulnerable if there are some younger guys that, that might be able to fill in. What do you think, surprise veteran cut? Well, first of all, I guess it's finally time to part with my Willie Beavers rookie card. You didn't even mention him. Doesn't sound like he's going to pan out like we thought, but not to fear. I can update my entire collection with Sport Card Investor. Sport Card Investor, it's completely free, and you can browse from over 630,000 cards at any given time. Download the Sports Card Investor app today, available for free in the Google Play or Apple stores, and go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. Yeah, Jesse Davis, that's a good one because some people say, well, that's not that big of a name. That's not a huge surprise veteran. Crowd. Well, it kind of is because the first thing they did when this new coaching staff got into OTAs is they plugged in Jesse Davis as the starting right guard. So it would be a little bit of a surprise. Maybe they had a backup plan as far as slowly grooming the younger guys like Ed Ingram, the second round pick, Wyatt Davis, long-term plan. So that would be a surprise. Ole Udo was mentioned by Kevin Seifert last week as a vet who could be called to the office in a few weeks. That would be a surprise just because he's still so young, only 25 years old, and he started 16 games last season. I mean, that's just a lot of valuable reps and a lot of serious valuable playing time to help his development. Now, he was one of the league's entire leaders in penalties, so we know he's got to drastically improve there, but the talent and physical ability is in the toolbox, so that would make sense when you think about they drafted another second round guard they're bringing in not one but two vets to compete Jesse Davis as mentioned Chris Reed who apparently again have already jumped him on the depth chart for now from what we gleaned at OTA's training camp another big tall tell sign but another one I hate to say it because it's only this guy's second year and he was drafted in the third round so you'd hate to cut ties already but we didn't see a lick of him last season and I just have no idea what we're supposed to expect from Chas Surratt former quarterback quarterback turn linebacker he was supposed to be this nice athletic addition to the linebacking depth and someone you could develop they just may not want to spend the time and sit around and say all right let's see if he's going to transition to the NFL like this old regime did they may get him into camp and say he's just still so far away from becoming a tributor they already brought in Jordan Hicks they drafted Brian Asamoah you've got Troy Dye who's at least got experience on special teams and has seen some live game action it would be a huge bummer for me as a draft guy to see a wasted third round pick like that just get thrown in the trash but with a new coaching staff no one's safe we talked a lot about this 2021 class Chas Surratt could be one of those cut casualties as they start to trim down the roster eventually making to the final 53 how about the rest of the NFC North? Not necessarily a surprise veteran cut to predict, but just a storyline or player you're really interested in now that camp is officially underway. Yeah, I'm thinking through, you know, 
who were the top draft picks in the NFC North? Well, the Bears didn't take really anyone. That I mean, Kyler Gordon, I guess, but the Bears have kind of had a quiet stretch here of drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lions' top pick, Jamison Williams, um, is not going to be active. He's still rehabbing from injury. So Christian Watson, I think, pretty quickly becomes the guy that you're watching because the Packers' other other top pick, I believe, was a kind of a low-key linebacker, if I'm not mistaken. Christian Watson is probably one of the the sexiest NFC North draft picks of this season. Definitely, you know, probably sexier than a Lewis Seen um, or an Ed Ingram. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be watching to see what kind of rapport he has with Aaron Rodgers, what he does in preseason games and knowing that there's a void on that Packers depth chart that we've talked about on this show how they've got a bunch of wide receiver threes and maybe not a real wide receiver one it wouldn't take that much for Christian Watson to emerge and be ready to play week one if he has any kind of chemistry with Aaron Rodgers so I'm watching uh that for sure but I'm also watching how these new coaches are going to conduct themselves Kevin O'Connell obviously in Minnesota but then the Bears hire a defensive minded coach in Aberflus from the Colts which is a against the trend you don't see a lot of defensive-minded coaches hired anymore and those right. that do get hired don't tend to last that long like a Vic Fangio you know that didn't work very well for Denver they went the offensive route so the Bears with a young quarterback and a defensive-minded coach how are they going to gel is that going to work out for Chicago that's what I'm going to be interested in a lot of good points there a lot of new coaches to sit there and put under the microscope Christian Watson was the guy I had highlighted for me I'm going to take it another step further because when you see the Packers move on from Devontae Adams and draft Watson tells me they're ready to put all the pressure on some of these young rookies and no-namers that we just don't know who's going to end up rising to the top in that depth chart and now to hear Watson will start out camp on the pup is not something you want to hear if you're a Packers fan so these camp days are just so vital for rookies to get their feet wet, absorb these early installs of the playbook. Every one day of practice you miss almost sets you back two or three days of not being able to get on the field and earn the trust of coaches and Aaron Rodgers. So that's quietly a little disappointment if you're a Packers fan hoping for one of these young receivers to kind of, again, rise to the top. And also, I saw that David Bakhtiari, who missed all of 2021 with a torn ACL, is also starting on the pup. You got to wonder how long it's going to be before he sees the field. I assume they're just taking him along slowly, don't want to rush him back, but he's a huge part of what they do offensively for Rodgers in the pocket and getting him back healthy is going to be a big priority, no doubt. Pretty fun exercise just to predict some fun veteran surprise cuts, get some healthy debate going. We want to hear from you. Go comment on the YouTube channel. Let us know what you think. 50 days until week one of the NFL season. Viking training camp officially underway. Rest assured, Reggie, Sam, Ron, and I got you covered every step of the way, every day on Locked On Minnesota Network. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
All right, to baseball we go. Twins enjoyed their all-star break. They came back with some juice, sweeping the Tigers in their first two games back. 8-4 to four victory Saturday, 9-1 to one win yesterday. Twins leaned on their top two starting pitchers who looked fresh with Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, both getting the victories after strong outings. And even with Buxton out of the uh, lineup, Twins managed to put up 17 runs in two games. Thanks to the bottom of the order, really contributing in a big way. Miranda feels like that guy's hitting like 480 right now. He had four ribbies in the series. And the eight and nine hitters, Urshela, Sanchez, both had three ribbies each. Better sign for things to come in the second half, Sam. Twins being able to lean on their starting pitching studs again, or the bottom of the order being able to be so productive and take some pressure off the rest of the lineup. Yeah, super encouraging, honestly. They mm -hmm. looked like a rested team. And mm -hmm. even without Buxton, they win. That's pretty important. They should get Buxton back on Tuesday. So it really, Buxton's going to get a full week of rest here. He had that knee injection after the All-Star game. Clearly, he wanted to play in that game, hit a home run. Great. I think people were a little little perturbed to see that he got an injection after playing in that game, and they freaked out saying, oh my gosh, like, why was he playing? Uh, but it seems like this was the plan. They capitalized on some extra rest, right? Like, some of the teams started play on Thursday. You're right. The Twins didn't start until Saturday. Then they got an off day on Monday, today. So they get a little extra time. They beat a really ratty-looking Tigers team that looked rusty. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Tigers were... They were hitting batters to to like force in runs, errors in the field, bad decisions, bullpen collapses. Twins just looked head and shoulders better than them, and they should. I mean, this is the Tigers who are 20 games below 500. The Twins are a first place team, and they looked like it for once in a while. I mean, it's been a while since you could say that the Twins really looked a lot better than their opponent, and that was the case. I told you on Friday why I don't think Miguel Sano has a place in this lineup, mm -hmm. and Jose Miranda is a big reason why, because mm -hmm. the way he's hitting, you don't want to have Miguel Sano getting at bats over that guy. So I think at best, if they call up Miguel Sano, he's a bench piece. He's a mm -hmm. bench bat. you got to keep these young, young guys that are only getting better in the lineup. So I loved what I saw from Ryan. I loved what I saw from Sonny Gray, who goes six strong, one hit, I think, in his outing. Um, really encouraging weekend before now it ramps up. Now you've got first place Milwaukee and a tough Padres team the next two series. Uh, if the Twins can go three and two over the next five and then come back home for Tigers Blue Jays, I like where they're sitting and they've got that lead back to three. So a little bit of cushion. Yeah, total team effort, top to bottom. Love to see it. A lot of positives out the gate for the Twins in the second half to glean on here early. And maybe most impressive was, again, as you mentioned, they did all this without Byron Buxton, who had both days off. Between that, the All-Star break, you mentioned the knee injection. He's enjoying a long stretch of rest. Sam, is this the normal Buxton pace and precaution we'll continue to see in the second half? Or is there a chance they're getting him as fresh as possible? Because they know come September, they won't have that same luxury and maybe forced to really lean on Buxton down the stretch you're just quick thoughts on Buxton's game plan long term in the second half yeah I mean they're they're definitely stick sticking to their guns you know people were really put off when they heard sort of the 100 game goal right Byron Buxton saying what well, you're gonna intentionally limit him when you need him on the field I'm looking at his numbers now he's played 73 games uh you've got 66 remaining so if he plays you know even 40 of those games he still is blowing by 100 so they're going to get him past that target 
if they, even if they're really cautious with him, if they can avoid an IL stint, I think that's the ultimate goal, so that they get him fresh for September because this could be a heated division title chase. The Twins are going to need to win the division. Wild card isn't looking super promising for them, so they've got two challengers on their tail. When you get into September, I think you want to have Buxton playing just about every day um, because you're going to need, you can't throw games away. You can't put out minor league lineups in September. That's when the rubber meets the road. So I think their plan to this point, to, to some chagrin who hate to see Buxton out of the lineup, the plan has worked to some extent. You've got Buxton now in a position where he's got a week of rest. He's going into the, the proverbial second half of the season ahead of schedule for his 100-game goal. He's probably looking at about 120 if he stays healthy. And, and that's a pretty good season. Now, I do want to get his bat going. I mean, having him in the lineup less than 100% doesn't seem to be working amazingly for mm-hmm. his production. The on-base percentage at 293, that's got to get better. The strikeouts have got to go down. He's probably looking at 150 strikeout season, which is not good. Oof. So I, I think there's a lot left to be desired with Buxton's offense. Defense, though, remains really good. Base running, you know, he's still a threat on the base paths, even though he's not 100%. So... I like having him in the lineup. I would love to have him at 100%. So maybe this week off is what he needs. Yeah, going to be very interesting. Just what they do with him, but how great is it to see them put up 17 runs without him in the lineup? Such an encouraging feeling for the team and the coaching to know they can still be competitive if he were to ever miss any long stretches of time. Last one real quick. I saw this on Twitter from Aaron Gleeman, the geek. I don't know if you saw this, and it kind of blew me away. Did you know Max Kepler is one of the best right fielders defensively in the MLB right now? Here's the tweet. It's a quote from an interview with Dan Gladden on Max Kepler for The Athletic. This season, Kepler leads all MLB right fielders in outs above average with plus 10. He ranks six in defensive run saves with plus five, dating back to Kepler's first full season in 2016. He's second among all right fielders in outs above average with plus 48 and fourth in defensive run saves with plus 40. Mookie Betts is the only right fielder ahead of Kepler in both during that span. It closes out saying Kepler is without question an elite right fielder and one of the best defensive right fielders in Twins history. Combined with his average-ish hitting among most right fielders, it adds up to a substantial all-around value who produced the fifth most war on the Twins in the first half. Uh, did you know this? I knew Max Kepler was solid. I knew that he's this young, developing right fielder. Max Kepler one of the best right fielders in all of baseball, specifically defensively. Yeah, that's really interesting. So here's what I knew of Max Kepler's excellence in right field. He plays the angles. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily make the diving catches that Buxton does. He doesn't have the arm that Eddie Rosario had. I mean, Eddie Rosario in left would gun people down on the regular. Max Kepler's left arm, not as strong. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, can't, you can't immediately think of even five times where he's had to make a spectacular throw to throw somebody out. That's why it's so um, surprising, right? But, yeah, but yeah, he's not, he's not his speed. It's not the diving catches. It's not the arm. But if we're talking about runs saved, it's the angles. And here's what he does well. He plays the line. He gets to the gaps. He cuts off singles and prevents them from becoming doubles. And you know what else he does? He plays the walls in right field, particularly at target field, where you've got the limestone overhang, the tall wall. He is always in the correct spot, and he prevents doubles from becoming triples, sometimes holds guys to singles on those balls that are off the wall. 
um, and he always hits his, his cutoff man. He makes the right decisions in non-sexy fashion, and he does save runs in that way. I, I've never seen it quantified, though, to the point where he is a, actually a top defensive outfielder. That's super interesting and proves that you don't have to be super-duper athletic like Buxton uh, to be a good defensive player. No, a lot of good points there as far as just those angles and just kind of his mentality and, and strategy out there at right field. Because you're right, he doesn't make the Sports Center top 10 with all the diving highlights or the assists gunning people down from second, third, or even home. Uh, but the words Kepler and elite getting thrown out together. It's just not something I saw coming in 2022, but no doubt we'll take it. Another day of rest for the Twinkies before five more road games in a row. Tomorrow's test starts in Milwaukee. First pitch, 7:10 p.m. Central Standard. Dylan Bundy on the mound. Rest assured, Sam, Ron, Reggie, and I got you covered for that every step of the way. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right. Time has come. My favorite segments here. I'm putting Sam on the hot seat, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports with what does it mean? First up, CBS Sports listed off the top five MLB draft picks that have the best chance of starting early on in their careers. Number four on that list was the Twins' first round pick and shortstop Brooks Lee. What does it mean when it comes to the Twins' game plan with Lee and speeding him along? And just how realistic is it? We could see him a lot sooner than uh, I think. Think a lot of fans and experts expected. Yeah, I remember reacting to this draft pick with you after it happened, and mm-hmm. it stood out to me that he's 21 and he's played some college baseball. So this is not an 18-year-old prospect. This is someone with a little more seasoning. What I've noticed recently is getting guys on the fast track to Double A. Once you get to Double A, you're facing much closer to major league level than you would say in you know low single A ball, rookie ball, what have you. Um, if they can get Lee into double A by next year, that I think gets him on a fast track then to jump, get onto that 40 man roster and then a quick stop in triple A or even skipping triple A that's been known to happen as well, where guys will jump straight from double A to the big leagues potentially. Mm, But I think it, yeah, if you get him to double A and battle test him against some of that talent where there's just such a jump from level to level, um, instead of babying him along. I think you could realistically see him by 2024. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question that two years down the road, he will be 23 years old with two years of major league or minor league experience, professional baseball experience. I think that's realistic. Now, I I, I don't know what the shortstop situation is going to be at that point. Is Royce Lewis still going to be your guy? Have you extended Carlos Correa? Um, you know, what, where are the Twins going to be at in the middle infield? So does Lee switch positions? Does he become an outfielder, second baseman, what have you? But I think that you can get someone of that age to the big leagues a little bit faster. I think with Lee, he was the second collegiate hitter to hear his name called behind Jacob Berry, drafted for the Marlins. 
And unlike Barry, I think Lee, it sounds like, is much more well-rounded. Barry relies on his hitting a lot more, so that needs to develop. The other thing that I didn't really think about, this guy's coming off some knee and back injuries. When it comes to baseball, is there really any point in tempting your fate and grinding that body down physically, wearing him down? So knowing that he's got that history of knee and back injuries, no sense in tempting fate, asking him to play even more minor league games than probably is necessary. Also interesting, I think you mentioned this last week, is he going to end up switching positions as well? We know they got Correa. We know they got Royce Lewis. It seems more likely than not that he could end up playing maybe third base or second base. We'll see how it all shakes out. Next one up, what does it mean? ESPN ranked, I don't know if you saw this one, the top skill position groups in the entire NFL. So that's taking the quarterback out of the equation, take the O-line out, looking at running backs, receivers, and tight ends. And I will say, it seems like this list, they put a little bit more weight on the wide receivers, just given the way the game is played nowadays. But of all 32 teams, the Vikings ranked fourth on the list, highlighted by Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and of course, the long-awaited return of Irv Smith Jr. What does it mean when it comes to new expectations of Kevin O'Connell and the toys he has to hit the ground running with this special group of playmakers, just how explosive could this offense be in 2022? Because remember, Vikings fans are used to Mike Zimmer playing this slow-paced, run-the-ball conservative game and try to, if you're up one score, just try to run off the clock. The way the game is played nowadays, Sam, you've seen it. Teams try to run up the score by two, three, four touchdowns. They try to get to 40 points as fast as they can. Vikings fans just aren't used to seeing that. Could we see that with all the toys Kevin O'Connell now has to play with in this offense? Yeah, I just think that Kevin O'Connell is going to use the full breadth of his talent. I I think that Mike Zimmer Mm -hmm. and Vikings teams recently have leaned almost too heavily on their stars. They've leaned far too hard on Dalvin Cook, and they leaned hard on you know Thielen and Diggs, Thielen and Jefferson, and until K.J. Osborne came around last year, didn't really have great wide receiver production from their depth pieces, didn't use their backup running backs very smartly, didn't use their backup tight ends very smartly. Like Irv Smith, even, for his first two years, was underutilized. I think Kevin O'Connell is going to use everybody. So I think that, I mean, I know Ron Johnson, my co-host, he's, he's saying 18 touchdowns for J.J., 10 for Thielen, 10 for Oz. Like, he, he thinks that the stars are going to come out. You get some. You get some. You get some. He's probably right. He's probably right. But I could see also more of a, of a divvying up approach where mm-hmm. your wide receiver, like Amir Smith-Marset, might get more involved. Kane Wangu certainly getting more involved, as you've talked about. Um, whoever the backup tight end ends up being, I don't know, mm-hmm. will probably get involved too. I just think that there's going to be more plays run, there's going to be more creativity on offense, maybe a little better tempo mm-hmm. to where they're bringing in, like, then the Rams did this. The Rams would have line changes where in the huddle, they would send off, like, their running back, their tight end, two wide receivers, and get a whole new line into the game where you couldn't predict defensively what the formation was going to be at any given moment. I love that. I love watching the Rams execute things. And that's something that you can do with any quarterback. Like, that was a Jared Goff thing. That's how Jared Goff, they got the most out of him, is because the personnel was so creative around him. I think that O'Connell needs to do more of that. And if it means occasionally taking a really good player like Cooker Thielen off the field to get fresh legs and a new look and to confuse defenses, that's what I want to see. And that's why I think this is a, a certainly a top five uh, skill position team. 
A lot of great points there, stemming off that just a little bit. We talk all the time about, okay, Kevin O'Connell's going to scheme and drop guys like Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook wide open. Well, vice versa, there's a balance to that. And when those guys are just simply getting double and triple covered, a great coach will find another mismatch, like the names you mentioned could be KJ, could be Irv Smith, could be a backup tight end, whoever it may be, he's going to find those weaknesses and exploit them. going to be very interesting. Vikings training camp officially underway. Sam, are you going to be out at TCO at all this week? Yeah, heading out there Tuesday. They'll have their first press conferences. Wednesday, their first practice. And Saturday, the fans will be invited for the first time. Now, remember, there's the ramp-up period, and, and they can't wear pads for the first few days. So it's not going to be quite all in yet, but it's going to build up to that first preseason game in, in just a couple couple weeks. Unbelievable. And then uh, joint practices, too, coming in in about four weeks with the 49ers. Oh, going to be a lot of fun to see that joint practice with the 49ers take place. That's a wrap here today. Back here tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikes, plenty more. Remember, like, rate, review, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Sam Ekstrom. Follow him on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, and on the Ron Johnson Show. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Minnesota. For Sam, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 